1: Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow up episode for season 10, episode 14. Jim Clemente delivers the profile. In this week's episode, Jim did exactly that. And I have to say that the profile he delivered was probably the most chilling that I have ever heard from him. In this case, he had less information than I think he has had in any other profile he's worked for me. And the profile he delivered was extremely specific and certainly, uh, in my mind, pointed us at a person of interest very clearly. Uh, I am joined in the studio today, as always, by the podcast mechanic himself, Mr. Mike Bussing. Hey, guys. Zach is out on assignment this week. And so, filling the role of the voice of the people is my friend, friend of the show, Miss
2: Janet Varney.
3: Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I am so curious what being out on assignment means.
0: Uh, Disney World, I think. You <laughs> said <at> Disney World. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, before we get into these listener questions, I'm actually really happy, uh, I'm always happy to have you here, Janet, but especially with this episode because part of the profile really pointed to some behaviors Jim was pointing to that to him indicated that there may be a woman involved. And we have some questions about that later I'm sure we'll get into, but I think it's a perfect episode to make sure we have a woman on board to share your thoughts on it. Uh, with With that being kind of in the chamber right now, though, do you have any kind of opening thoughts or remarks about the episode?
3: I have a lot of specific questions. Um, I will say that that came, I'm sure we can all agree, fairly late in the profile. And so it was a little bit of a what? what, what? Like that, be, it wasn't something, you know, it came up. What was it like two thirds of the way through, maybe right. even deeper in. And so I, I had no indication that that was going to happen. And I think I don't know if I, I can speak for everybody, but. Uh, we're so used to hearing that it, with a profile that it's most likely a male that is you know just what usually that's like ultimately that's like, and I would say it's probably a male between twenty and forty like that's sort of the yeah. the thing that we're used to hearing. and so when he said that, i it really was a sit up and take notice moment, and I'm not totally sure I agree, but I also don't feel like he it didn't seem like he was selling it that hard. He was like, this is sort of my initial. Sp- Thought it may or may not be right, but that's what occurred to me personally. That's sort of how he framed it. I thought
1: it, it was definitely a surprise to me. I didn't, you know, so I, I'm obviously wheels turning as he's giving his profile, and I'm thinking because I know who the suspects are, he doesn't, right? And I'm trying to think of what, what scenario who could be involved, how does this fit in? And honestly, as he's delivering the profile, I'm like, God, like all this seems to point back into that apartment for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. And, and, and somebody who has a direct conflict with her as a personal cause targeted homicide. I'm like, that's like pointing towards Eva, but it doesn't make sense. And then out of nowhere, he's like, honestly, and I, I don't want to speak for Jim, but I think, I think Jim was on the social side a bit uncomfortable saying, I think it's a woman for this reason. But you know, you know what I mean? Because 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 it, it's, it's it sounds bad. For him as a profiler, somebody who's who's investigated thousands of homicides and has looked at case studies for a hundred thousand more on top of it. Right. There's a reason why he believes that that I think maybe makes sense. But it was it was definitely kind of an awkward moment.
3: To be honest with you, I wasn't that I didn't take I mean, I, I feel like I'm a, a fairly a sort of strong minded you know woman. I certainly would say mm-hmm. I'm a feminist. I don't think that's a, a bad word. It doesn't mean that you don't you know that you think men are bad. It's not it, you know, it's not any of that. It's just about equality. That being said, you can you can spin that real quick to be a man would feel like he had to assert his power in that way. Like, it it can be right. seen as something negative towards a man that he wouldn't think to do that as well. I mean, you can think, right. you know, that he would be like, oh, I can't, I have to, you know, command the situation with my hands because I'm a big, powerful man. I can't rely on a tool for this small old woman. You know, it, it, it's not, It does isn't necessarily a sexist statement. So, I, I mean, to me, it made sense not necessarily in a way that would make a woman seem weak. It's also possible that if you're a person who isn't, used to doing something like that that you would want that separation between yourself and harming another person I've never done anything like that and I, it's all abhorrent and it's ghastly and it's, it's horrible to think of that this happening at all maybe you do sort of in the moment you know there's some part of you inside that's like well I don't want to that that somehow that's like a I don't know what the word is I'm sure Jim would know you would know but that there would be this separation this thing that sort of removes you from the action that is this object instead sure. of your hands. I, I, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but point being, it's not just like to me across the board, like how offensive that he would think maybe a woman would do that. I didn't really perceive it that way. Yeah, well, that's good. And,
1: and I think that, you know, I text him a little bit about it afterwards, um, as you guys will hear in the, in the episode, the, the second half of that conversation that's going to air in two days on Sunday. He had an appointment and had to leave before we really got to finish our conversation. So we had some we text about it a little bit the next day afterwards. You know, his assessment comes from a couple things. To, to your point about like the separation. The reason it stood out to him, the the vase, is because or whatever that piece of ceramic was, is because there aren't indicators of hesitation on this crime scene. It looks like they got in quick, a blitz attack. It was brutal, it was sustaining. They said there's there's no indication of hesitation. Like they just went after her hard and 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 then killed her and then continued stabbing her after they had already struck fatal blows. Yeah. So you know, so he's he's not seeing indicators that would that would show kind of demonstrate kind of what you're talking about. Like there's some some hesitation. I don't want to I separate myself from them or not. That makes sense. And so you know, when he combines the lack of hesitation, the extreme brutality of the attack. The speed in which the attack took place, then he looks at and he's as he said he he bases the this off of all these case studies right so out of the thousands of case studies when you see situations like this, right where you have a smaller petite elderly woman who the first the first wave of the attack is to incapacitate oftentimes not necessarily a pot or a vase, but when some object like that is used to incapacitate the person to, you know, get them on the ground quickly so that they can then strike the death blows with, with a knife. Oftentimes when you see like an object used like that, it tends to be a, in most cases, a female or, mm-hmm. you know, someone, someone much smaller in stature.
3: Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm very, very interested to hear what, what listener questions come in. In my largest thought for this episode for me was, The way he described it made it seem less likely also that it would be Eva. It it made me wonder, what don't we know? It made me wonder, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Is there something that wasn't investigated by the police that was a relationship outside of all of this that had more weight than, oh, I've complained about you making noise? You know, it just made me it just made me go. I just don't. I mean, really? Like, it doesn't seem like it would be Eva over this either. So I, I feel kind of a little bit lost after this.
1: That's, that's really interesting. Can, can you expand on that? Like, what, so when you heard this, because I, I'll, I guess I'll give you my perspective when I'm listening to it and I'm hearing this is somebody that lived close by that could get away, that could hide. It's somebody with a conflict with her adding into it, it's it's possibly a female now, oh, yeah. in my mind, I know about the lying about the alibi, the made-up story about the screaming. I know, yeah, a lot of this other stuff. So, like for, for me, like alarm bells were going off like crazy. And so, so I'm just, I'm just curious, like, w- like what elements of it were kind of caused you to more pull back from?
3: Right. That. Okay. Well, f- number one, for him to say, for him to, you know, reiterate how high risk this is. This is such a high risk crime and situation right. for. For someone who, like, the idea, and, and the circumstance, okay, number one, it's it's such a high-risk situation to in in exact that much harm on someone for the reason that is the only reason that we've sort of been given of any kind of reason at all, right? Because it's right. been, you know, we've established seemingly that there really aren't any risks except for this one beef that we keep hearing about um, from a neighbor, but ha- so high-risk. How nece- like why would it be necessary to murder someone? You know, when we started the conversation about this in early episodes, the idea was perhaps that it was an intimidation that went wrong. You know, there's some sort of mm-hmm. intimidation thing that went wrong. But the idea of somebody not hesitating, kicking a door in, she, Eva had people staying over at her apartment that night, and what they, we've already established it's a small window. If she herself has guests in her apartment, why would she take the risk of stabbing someone? to run back up to her apartment when she knew that there were people around there that she that Jennifer was coming back it just seems it, it he talks about the impulsivity factor of whoever did this the idea that you would that something would happen in that little window of time that would allow Eva to do this not be seen with any blood on her and that that part of her MO would be that she would have someone nearby she knew she could pin it on that just seems like a stretch. All of that seems like a stretch. And that's why I started to think, you know, people lie for all kinds of reasons. They don't necessarily lie because they're guilty about the thing that is being questioned. You know, it's it could be that she's lying about something, you know, perhaps she doesn't want to be looked at more closely for any number of other reasons. And so it's easier to direct blame on someone just to get it away from you, not because you had anything to do with it. I, I, and I was in the More in the camp of thinking that perhaps Eva was connected to this. Everything about the profile and the conversation, while you would think it would take me closer to Eva, pulled me further away going, I don't know, is there just something that's completely unconnected that we don't know anything about? And we're looking at Eva lying and putting too much weight on that because it's all we have.
1: Yeah, I think there would have to be for me. I think there would have to be something. For me to look outside of that apartment at this point, I think there would have to be some other information, evidence that would come up that would oh, indicate. The wallet, there was... you're right.
3: The wallet. What do you do with the wallet?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a there's a whole lot of stuff you got to get around for it not to be somebody for the apartment.
3: But how does it work with Eva? How does she? How if she's connected to it, but it's someone else who does it, and she's covering for that person? Then at least maybe they could get away somewhere with you know, indicators on with evidence on them of having committed the crime. How does she do that? Maybe I'm too confused about the timeline, but it just seems like, again, there's so many people around. How does she quickly change? And I think
1: that I don't know. What you just said here. And based on some of these questions we have coming, which we were co- we're just going to cover some of them now in this conversation. I think one of the biggest misconceptions of this case is that the killer would have blood on them. I don't think the killer would. If the, if the killer had blood on them, I think they would have very little blood on them.
3: Oh, okay. I guess I've missed that because again, it seemed like there would be some more evidence of something having happened, but
1: so you got a couple things going. Number one, we have no open arterial bleeds. I mean you know, like so if like you stab somebody in the carotid artery, it's spurting. Right, Spur- right. We, we, so we have no spurting injuries. Okay. All of the stab wounds that that were fatal were she was wearing a shirt so they're not arterial they're not splitting they're not they're not spurting they're oozing okay she's got a shirt that's catching that blood if you look at the walls and we haven't talked about blood spatter really in this case because there's not much to talk about but if you look at the walls and the door around her there's no blood spatter on the walls okay we see transfer we see falling and touching and transfer blood so that tells me that when when she's being even when she's hit over the head It didn't cause a spattering of blood. All the blood we see is gravitational. So once she's down on the ground, now her wounds are oozing blood out on her head, on her chest, through the shirt, onto the floor. But I I think that the killer very easily could have committed this crime and not got a drop of blood on them. Or if anything, a drop of blood on them.
3: Yeah. Okay. I, I think I got a little confused about the pot, the ceramic, the two different ceramics. The dirt, whether the dirt was happened after or before, whether that was res- some sort of residual blood spatter artifact, I got a little lost uh, within that portion of the uh, profile. So I was hoping maybe someone else had that question and we could return to that. We don't a little have bit that cause... question,
1: but I'm glad you brought it up because that's okay. Because uh, that, I know that's something that we didn't quite clearly articulate in the in the conversation. So what it looks like the order of events are is once they're inside, as far as what actually happened, you know, where the movements happen in the apartment, it's hard to tell, but that someone hits her over the head with the ceramic pot. And, and based on on the location and the layering of elements of the crime scene, it looks like she was standing up when she was hit over the head, which then caused her to fall down, and that puts her on the ground. Once she's on the ground, the stabbing happens. And we're going to get into some of the wounds and stuff because there's some interesting uh, thoughts about the different wounds. But then she's she's being stabbed to death while she's on the ground, maybe even continuing to be beaten while she's oh, on the ground Catalina. because there's way more. I know.
3: Sorry, it's just so horrible.
1: It's it's awful, and and there's and there's so much more. There's more injury to her head and face than just one smashing right. the pot over her. Okay, yeah. So there. So again, is is another indicator of two people being being there because you've got. Okay. It's possible somebody is punching her and then stabbing her, but I see two people just just wailing on her while she's on the ground. But but it goes pot, she's down, then the stabbing occurs. Some of the beating to the face or whatever that could have happened while she was still up. What I was getting at with the orange pot and the dirt is all the dirt that is thrown. First of all, I don't think the dirt came from the white ceramic pot. But all the dirt you see on the crime scene photos, which I know is tough because of the, I've, you know, I, I don't put pictures of dead bodies on, on the internet, so Just you smart. guys don't have unredacted photos. I've tried to redact some of them on our website in a way that you can still see the outline of the body, but you can tell from the dirt pattern that she was in her final resting place when the dirt got there.
3: Huh. So okay. she's yeah. like
1: in the fetal position with her, you know, her her left arm sticking out and her right arm over that, and where her head's at. And then the dirt pattern just goes around her body there around the arm, because we could tell once they move her arm, there's just a perfect outline of right. her body in the dirt, right so it, it's it's hit with a ceramic pot, hits the ground, the stabbings happen, and then she, once she is no she's been stabbed to death, she's no longer moving somehow then the dirt gets thrown in there.
3: isn't that strange?
1: It is strange, and I so, so Jim theorized that maybe it was to slow down, to delay discovery, so they the the had time the offender had time to get away. I think that's and not to second guess him, but for me that you know the doors are all locked. Right. They came in the patio. They right. know someone else could come in the patio. Yes, that seems unlikely to me. It seems yeah. to me, honestly, it seems more like a fuck you. So she's down, and then bam, and you know they throw it at her, throw the dirt, and then they they get the hell out of the, out of the apartment. But one way or another that dirt got there after she was down and immobile. Right. At that point. So it and and all this happened in seconds, I think.
3: Right. So my my naivete, uh if I may use a fancy word that I probably shouldn't have used cuz it made me sound kind of dumb. Um it, 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 I guess I guess where where my naivete is showing, I guess where me being naive is showing is that I I just it's so nuts to me that this level of violence would be inflicted on, hey, you complained about us making noise. That just seems so vicious. I understand that from a psychological perspective, we don't know the background of this person. We don't know what happened to them as a young person. We don't know where their level of rage comes from and how quickly it escalates. But. Again, it's for from for me and my limited life experience. Uh, it I that's what I continue to struggle with is like God. It just seems like a lot for please. You know this person's making too much noise above me. It just seems especially right. when you know everything else we know about Catalina is that she was you know seemed to be very sweet and lovable and Juan said she would trust anyone and you know that makes it sound like that she's sort of generous of heart and that she wouldn't necessarily you know. Do things in a way that would create a conflict with someone else that would be that violent, but I, I don't know.
1: Right. The, the tricky part is that we don't know the psychology. So, and and so that that's what that's kind of what the profile is doing, right? And in and, and the gap we have in a profile, if you're looking at how it might apply to someone, say Eva, is you know, and he asked the questions, or he, you know, he didn't, he he, he gave us information that ca- should cause us to ask questions we don't have the answers to. Meaning, he said this offender would have a violent background they would be known for violent impulsive outbursts because you know we're looking at it through our sane brains that would never kill anybody for any reason right you know so it, it it can't make sense but i mean there's violent crimes that happen for stupid reasons literally every day people are murdered for things that just that don't make sense so if you have somebody you know and we don't know that we don't know what yes or no about this with with like eva but say if we, if we were to able to be able to find out in her background Yeah, she is violent. She's been known to just go nuts on people and and fight people for no reason.
3: At nine in the morning after you've let kids stay at your place? I mean, that, again, it's like, but you've just, you've you've got people staying with you. I mean, I guess if she felt like that part's over, which she wouldn't think that because she knew Jennifer was just going to make a phone call. Right. It just seems like, that seems like a massive risk.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I don't think even knew Katie and Youngster were still there. Personal, okay. that's just my personal theory. You know, they were in the I bedroom. See, she I had see. told them I when I she see. went to bed they needed to leave. They told okay. her they were waiting for a ride. Okay. So when and Jennifer leaves, I don't necessarily know that think that even knew they were there. First, I of all. see. Okay. I believe that they're, and I guess to back up as far as like the the reason for it, like it's not as simple. It, it may not be as simple as oh, they're complaining me about me about noise if myself and the private investigators that have worked the case are correct that eva was was doing sex work out of that apartment that she was running a business right out of the apartment and it wasn't just a complaint she was told by the manager if it doesn't stop you're going to be evicted you're going to be kicked out you know there it it just gets there's just other layers to it
3: But if it doesn't stop, if you don't stop, if you don't stop doing sex work in your apartment, you'll be kicked out. So I'll take the chance of murdering someone in below me. Wow.
1: I personally think, and this is just my personal speculation, is that if Eva was involved, I think that there was a trigger that morning. I think there was another person, which the profile does indicate there was another person, likely male. I think there was another person, and I think there was another trigger. I don't think... That there was a plan. Hey, let's meet at nine in the morning and go kill my neighbor. Okay, all right. I think you know, you, you know, one some of the scenarios we work through is is if the sex work allegations are are accurate that a John or a a pimp, or, you know that that are, that are that are involved in this, if someone who had paid her then comes to the door, she meets up with them and you know it could have been anything. You know, Catalina could have been outside and saying, "That's it, I'm calling, I'm telling you." Know, there could we don't know what happened there, right. but it, to me, I agree with you that I, I I don't think the complaint the day before equaled at nine in the morning tomorrow. Let's right. go right kill her. Okay. I think there was a trigger, and the trigger could have just been, say, you know, the page she got was maybe from uh from a, a pimp type character, right? That isn't connected with her. If and she doesn't call back because she doesn't have a phone and she doesn't get up, and he comes to the apartment and she tells him, "Look, I can't because of this." Right. And then he's like, "Well, fuck her. Let's go beat her ass or whatever." The one thing that sticks with me is that when Jennifer says to Detective Allen, "Okay, I'll tell you the truth," Eva and some guy told me about the complaints, which she couldn't have known about unless Eva did tell her about it. Are going to go rough her up? And then he says, "No, we know that's not true." Like to to me, there's just and, and it's hard. You know, it's hard to say. Well, I don't believe this, but I believe this part because if it, but but to me that part. When she says she's going to come clean and then that's what she comes up Mm -hmm. with, it just seems too fitting with what appears to have actually happened to not have some form of truth in
3: it. All right. Well, that makes sense. And and just obviously brought up Jennifer. This is also about Jennifer. It seems incredibly important to find justice for Catalina. Of course, the Jennifer side of it, 100 percent don't think she had anything to do with it. I agree with you. The more the every episode we've gone in deeper to this, uh, I just don't again. The profile to me in no way indicates Jennifer zero to me, zero, 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 zero. There's nothing there. I don't care if it was a woman he that he thinks hit someone over the head. That's that, just everything else says, Why? Why? I mean, if I can't accept Eva, I'd be crazy to accept that Jennifer had anything to do with this. So I'm firmly on the side of there's no way she had anything to do with this. That's my personal opinion.
0: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
4: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: Alexis says, Jim talked about the killer being able to hide quickly, and I think for a lot of people, alarm bells went off that this could be consistent with someone from Eva's apartment being involved. But couldn't the killer just as easily have escaped quickly, such as if a getaway car pulled up on the street right outside?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that uh, I think does need to be considered. It doesn't necessarily mean that it had to be someone who lived close by because, yeah, a a point of egress would be down that sidewalk and you're on the
2: street and you're gone.
3: Yeah, that was that was sort of your theory early on. Wasn't even that someone would need to have a hiding place. They could just leave.
2: Right. Sarah says, is there a way to find out if Catalina was involved in any other conflicts at the apartment complex? Good question. I would love to know if there were. I don't think there were, but there's
1: there's no way to know for sure. But this is why I think that there, her conflict with Eva was the only one. Because when the detectives went to the office and talked to Pam Wiley, the only thing she told him was that she had a conflict with Eva and that she had complained about Eva, that she had, that she had personally spoken with Eva about the complaint and warned her that she'll be evicted if it continues. Uh, I think that if there was another person that had a conflict number 1 I'm sure the detectives would have asked that question and I think if there was another any kind of other conflict at least the management was aware of that she would know and then based on what we know about her victimology which is based pretty much solely on what we know from Juan there were no other conflicts with anyone else she she very much kept to herself
3: Can I just ask one quick question it's just one of those like let's put this away forever When mm-hmm. Jim was saying this is such a high risk and it's such a if if you had committed this crime, you would also spend time trying to find the thing you wanted to rob her of. Or if she, you know you mm-hmm. would be searching around, you'd be knocking stuff around trying to find something. Can we just can you just say definitively there is no way someone thought they were doing a quick smash and grab in her apartment, didn't know she was home, discovered her quickly had to react and then got out of there. Because they didn't expect that to happen. And they of course, they wouldn't stick around to rummage around looking for stuff after this crime had been committed. You would want to get away as quickly as possible rather than going, well, it's a sunk cost thing. I've already killed her. So now I should look for stuff to steal that I was going to look for before I realized she was home. Like, could we just or, or can we say like, hey, there, there is no way that someone didn't know she was home. Someone went in knowing she was home. Is that what we're saying?
1: I well, we can't say anything definitively, right? When well, we're talking sure. profile, we're talking we're talking probabilities. I think there's a high, there's a very, very low, low, low probability that this was a robbery, and I had kind of come to that conclusion okay. prior to Jim even coming on.
3: Yeah, I, I know.
1: So if if that's the case, so so let's say that let, let's kind of play that out. This is somebody that wants to jump in and rob a place where they think no one's home. They jump in. So we're talking about someone who Catalina doesn't know. Right. Presumably, right. If it's someone who she doesn't know and can't identify, there's no reason to kill her, beat her, throw her down, restrain her.
3: You're lock right. Her in her of course,
1: you're right. There's no reason to to, to kill her to begin with. Yeah. And, and there's no there's no evidence on the crime. See, and again, if we're talking about multiple offenders, one person can easily restrain this victim, right. which would leave the other free to go find. Good point valuables, you know? So, so if you break it down like that, it seems very unlikely to me that this in any way was a robbery. I don't think it was a robbery at all. Whoever went in there, went in there, in my opinion, and Jim's is that the, the purpose of entering that apartment was to attack Catalina very specifically.
3: Yeah. Okay. I mean, absolutely. That was made very clear. It was just when he happened to say, you wouldn't go to all that trouble and then not look for the thing you were looking for. That was the only thing that triggered me to go, well, also, you wouldn't stick around if you weren't planning on killing someone, whether or not you had gotten the thing that you were looking for. So I just wanted to, I didn't know if anyone else had a question like that. I just thought maybe it would be good to sort of put that to bed. And everything you're saying makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good exercise to work through some of these other scenarios to kind of test the theory.
2: Okay. Amy says, did anyone live in the apartment next to Eva? If there was complaints about the traffic in and out upstairs, did the apartment manager talk to them as well? On that same topic, Jamie writes, has anyone talked to the neighbors? I don't understand how no one could have seen something at 9 a.m. So un- unfortunately, we don't
1: have one thing that I've complained about in my open records request from the Houston PD is I wasn't given any handwritten notes, which I typically am in these files. And in those handwritten notes are typically where you see the results of canvassing. We know that officers were assigned to canvas. We know that witnesses were spoken to around the area. All we know is that no one was spoken to in the upstairs apartment next to Eva's. Hmm. So we don't know if that means no one lived there. But again, given the day and time of day, it's also very likely that they were just gone. They were at work. Right. But, th- but that person was never spoken to. So you've, you've got a cluster of four apartments with four doors close to each other. You've got Catalina in June Sage right next to her. She was spoken to directly above Catalina is Eva. She's obviously spoken to. And then there's the the on the one next to her which no one was spoken to. So all we can do is speculate, but my assumption is that either no one lived there or no one was
2: home. Daniel says, which specific case materials did Jim use to construct the profile? I gave Jim a detailed list of victimology,
1: but I left out risk factors for a specific reason. Jim always wants me to limit the information he has because he doesn't want his opinion to get swayed by anything. So what I mean is I, I I told him everything that Juan told me that, you know, that she doesn't have any money, uh, that she had lived with him. She had grown up, she lived with her sister and then she lived with him and that she had moved there. She was heavily involved in the church. She, he said that she was very trusting. I also told him that but June, the, but the neighbor lady said that they both kind of had a, a an agreement that they wouldn't open the door to strangers. So I, I gave him that information about Catalina. I did not give him the information about the complaints upstairs because I just thought it was too on the nose, so I left that out. I wanted to see if he – because cause the big thing that I was looking for, I, I didn't think we would get as specific as a profile as we did. What The big thing I was looking for is, tell me when you look at the scene if this is a personal cause homicide or a robbery. Um, was so, so I didn't want him to know, oh, somebody's got a beef with her. So he didn't know that. He had the full set of all the unredacted crime scene photos he had the, the full, unredacted crime scene video. Uh, I did not share any forensics with him whatsoever. As far as fingerprints, DNA, any of that, he did hair, hair analysis, he didn't have any of that information. What else did he have? Oh, and he had the, the autopsy, the full autopsy.
2: Lauren says, does Jim or you, Bob, find it more difficult to construct a profile on a potential female suspect? I'd assume that he's done many more profiles for men than women. I'm just curious if that comes into play when constructing it without knowing who could have been involved.
1: It was definitely tricky for me. I didn't come to that conclusion at all, but that's, you know, a lot of, as we discussed earlier, a lot of that comes from case study, right? By, by looking at what, be you know, it's all about the, the entire profiling methodology is based on case studies you know what what behaviors are exhibited by what types of people and what types of scenarios i've never worked a scene like this one you know in season six i believe there was a female that was um stabbed but but that that stabbed jim melgar but there were different i had different reasons for that there was you know there was the witness that sandy melgar saw uh there was the long hairs that were found the shirt yeah the sh- the the female the woman's shirt that was found in the bathtub you know there was a lot of re- it wasn't because of a profile that I thought that was um or behaviors necessarily that made me think that was a female so for me yeah I didn't see that I for Jim I don't think it was, it was difficult at all you know I th- I think that as as we said his explanation for why he thought it was a woman because fir- when he first said because of the flower pot that I thought this was a woman my first thought was a kind of a knee jerk like oh give <laughs> in and, and, and some uh, some off the record text between me and Janet was like, oh, what, are you gonna strangle him with their apron strings like, right. like that's what it felt like to me when he first said. It. But then when he explained why, which is the same types of behaviors and the same way he breaks down every behavior is to say that you know if a I, I put myself in that scenario as a man that went in, if I needed to go in and get control of somebody, I'm not grabbing anything. I'm just grabbing the person. I'm gonna you know right. punch them, hit them, throw them down, whatever. The fact that um, in his experience in looking at these case studies, uh, I think for him it was very easy to see that that isn't the, the broken vase over the head. In the sequence that when it happened, that it was kind of the initial incapacitate the victim for him, I think it was pretty easy for him to come to the, the conclusion that there's a high probability that that would be a female offender.
3: Did you like how quickly I tried to prove how well I knew Sandy's case by quickly being like the shirt, the shirt, that was
1: the, the shirt? shirt. The I'm $1. a, I'm
3: a good student. I, I'm. Yep. Get, do I get an A? Yeah. I know
1: the I was, hair, the hair. You were on. I it. couldn't
3: stop myself. I couldn't stop myself, and now I'm super annoyed. Super annoyed with myself.
1: Mike didn't remember any of that. I had no like, idea. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> was like, Yeah, I was like, yeah. who?
2: Yeah. And then, and then I was also intimidated. I'm like, oh, Janet's listened to. Everything. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Oh, that's why we love you. boy. Jenea says, could there have been no knife, but a shard of the ceramic pot used after it was broken, at least just for the chest slashes? She goes on to say, were the cuts on Catalina's chest higher up or down under her breasts or belly area? I like Jim's idea that she could have been hunched over and have rolls of skin causing the dash defect. However, if they're on her upper chest, the skin is taut there. What do you think?
1: For the first part, no, she wasn't stabbed with with the shards of the of the ceramic. The, the, the wounds are too, the, the wounds are the width of a knife blade going in. You know you would have much more jagged. you would have not you would have much thicker wounds uh, than, than we have. I mean, it was definitely, I think, a knife that, that penetrated Catalina. As far as the one on the chest, it's possible, but I don't think so. I think it was a very sharp instrument, a knife most likely. Uh, but Jim did get me thinking a lot about that. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about it too, Janet. Um, as far as the skin being taunt on the chest, um, that's not true of everyone, especially not not 71-year-old people. And, and when Jim, I don't think he got to a conclusion. He was kind of spitballing in the conversation. I thought about it later, and all of a sudden those make sense to me. That <gasps> oh. that the, the dotted pattern, I think at one point he very quickly said, you know, it could have been them reaching around from the back and slashing, and all of a sudden it clicked. Well, she's wearing a shirt that's buttoned up, but it wasn't buttoned all the way up to the top. It's unbuttoned enough that I think that it's possible that someone was reaching around from behind trying to slash her throat. So the, so to answer the question about where they're at, the, the the cuts are above the breasts. They are, I would say, two, three inches below you know where your collarbone meets together in front of your throat. Yeah. Maybe two inches below that is where they go in a horizontal pattern across the chest. Huh. So I could see in a dynamic crime, which, which would be a point where the knife, because a knife wouldn't slice like that over the shirt. And unfortunately, we don't have the shirt to look in. You know, in evidence that I've that's been made available to us to see exactly where the holes are. But that's a place where the blade could go down to the skin, and if she's hunched over trying to get away especially kind of curling your shoulders in it would cause an effect where your skin is there's small folds in your skin as you crinkle up like that and so a straight single slice across the chest that was maybe intended to be on the throat with somebody maybe that especially if they have any kind of loose looser skin one single slice then when you lay down lay down supine on your back and look at it flat, it would look like dashed lines when in fact it was just one slice. So so my working theory is that that's what that was, that they were trying to slit her throat and she was bent over and kind of fighting with her hands still and curled up. And that mm. caused what what turned out to look like a dashed effect.
3: That still seems a little odd to me. I mean... Again, I always feel dumb having an opinion at all about something like this when I just have zero forensic experience zero less than zero but that is actually to me a very t- a very thin skin not that much loose skin even my, like when I think about my my sweet and wonderful grandma which makes this even harder to imagine um because that is like Catalina but um the, it doesn't and even hunched up it just doesn't seem like there's that that's the that I would agree with the listener that that is one of the the places where I would imagine there would be the least give, the least crinkling, the least folding. But I certainly don't have any other theories. I mean, that's the one that seems like it is possible in a way that because even Jim was like, I don't know, this is odd. I don't right. wasn't, It wasn't something he looked at and said, "Oh, I've seen this before. It's usually blank." You know, he was puzzled. Yeah. So
1: yeah, he was puzzled too, and that's why we were we were just kind of spitballing it. The other thing to remember is is the dynamic nature of something like that, so it doesn't necessarily mean that your skin made so there was one two three four so that's three blanks between yeah that your skin made th- three specific folds. So if you're it if you're moving across, so if I'm hunched down, you're it moving as across. it's slicing it. that your skin would fold over on itself at certain points as you're right. coming across.
3: Or even just that it skips in the motion of struggle like it could exactly. perhaps yeah
1: yeah, so there, there's a lot of different and, and, and I'm by no means saying that's what happened, but that's what makes the most sense to me is is that, th- that those injuries were not because it you know, the, the width of them is too wide too as I've said from the beginning like they were, you know they thought that meant a big knife went in, but it only went in a, a millimeters that four times they try to stab and the knife would kind of slide off to the side and not go in. Yeah. Even with somebody fighting, it makes a lot more sense that this was one smooth att- attempt mm-hmm. to be one smooth slashing motion. Yes. Um, I don't think it could have happened from someone face to face because yeah. of the shirt. I yeah. think it's got to be, it's got to go down under the shirt in order to do that. It, and I, I think it definitely for various reasons, like you said, just the motion and the fact that she's fighting, she's curled up, they're moving, skin folds and moves as you mm-hmm. a, as you pull the blade across. I think that was one slice that just jumped on the skin mm-hmm. in a few different places,
3: and that you can it's easy to imagine that with to the 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 blitz attack and hitting someone over the head. You can sort of imagine a lot of that action taking place with her back right turned mm-hmm
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Lynn says, did one of Catalina's front door locks require her key to lock from the inside? If yes, is that why your keys were taken? I didn't consider locking the front door as a means to delay discovery until Jim Clemente said it.
1: No, none of the locks inside required a key. Like from the inside, you didn't have to require a key. So it was just a regular doorknob with a little Probably most doorknobs you have have where you just twist the thing on it and it's locked. And then you had a standard deadbolt, which was on the in the inside, just had a knob you'd twist on the outside, required a key. Uh, you don't see double-key deadbolts like that unless you have, typically, you have glass around. Like if you have glass in the door, because they're designed so somebody can't punch through and reach around and unlock it. And you could see in the crime scene video, if memory serves, you can see the knob there for that deadbolt. Above that is another deadbolt that looks exactly the same on the inside as the other one. But there is no outside of it, and that is designed so that the apartment manager can't come in and unlock the door while you're inside taking a shower. They don't have a key to get in there. And then there was just the, the chain on top of that. doesn't necessarily mean, uh, and we can spitball this a little bit too, it doesn't necessarily mean that the door wasn't locked to delay concealment, but I don't think that's the case. There were some people on the fan page I was discussing with yesterday about the possibility that the, the method in wasn't the patio we know they had to go out the patio because of the locked doors but um, there were some people suggesting well maybe they came in through the front door and turned around and locked it behind them in my opinion that is extremely unlikely mostly because of where Catalina is found so if if she if, if the killers come in the front door Catalina doesn't run towards the front door they don't grab her and take her to the front door if she opens a door and they blitz her right inside, they're still pushing her back into the apartment. And my guess would be probably into that bedroom where it's a little more concealed. But you couldn't have one person standing there locking the door while the other person's killing them at your feet right there. So for for that reason, and a few others, I don't think that's the, that's what happened.
3: So just for clarity, your theory, your working theory right now is that the door really wasn't a factor at all. It remained untouched. It was not touched for any, probably wasn't touched for any reason. It wasn't opened. It wasn't locked post-mortem, like, it just probably didn't come into play.
1: That, that's my opinion, yeah. yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, Jim could be right. It could be that the pot was thrown there to try to delay entry, and maybe they reached up and locked some doors. But she was all Catalina was known to keep the doors locked when she was inside. And since we know she was home and the killers came in from the patio, I don't see it being a factor.
3: Also, that actually does lead me to one last question, which is that it doesn't also seem like it makes sense as a countermeasure when... I mean, wasn't Eva the one who started this whole chain? Or isn't that... I mean, who starts the whole chain of Catalina being discovered? Like, why would you lock all the doors and try to keep her from being found, but then be the person who's running to the office to say something's happened and that you heard screaming? Like, who was the first... I'm realizing right now, I don't know. What set this in... Like, what set this chain of events going? Who was the first person to say something's wrong with the woman downstairs? Because... Wasn't it? You're exactly Eva? right. That that's okay. Eva. So yeah. So okay.
1: Yeah. And I again I, I don't see signs of an attempt at delayed discovery. you know, Jim and kind of spitballing trying to piece together, well, maybe the pot's put there to keep the door from opening. It's certainly a possibility. It's certainly a possibility to lock the doors. I don't see that. As I said, my kind of theory is that the the big pot with the dirt in it was just a final fuck you before they left. But you don't you don't lock a door four times and put a pot in front of the door. First of all, her body was already blocking the door. Um, but they put a pot in front of the door to delay to delay discovery, and then leave the patio door wide open. The, you know that that to, that to me that just doesn't compute at all. So I I personally don't think that there was an attempt made to to delay discovery. Um, and yes, certainly if there was an attempt made, then that definitely adds some some weird questions in. Like if Eva was involved in this, why do you make attempts to delay discovery and then go run and tell somebody to come?
3: Yeah. The countermeasure that you would see if she were involved, the countermeasure is quickly getting out in front of it and being the person who, quote unquote, heard something in the same way that we know that sometimes killers make sure that they're in the discovery party when there's a search or something like that. That's like, why would I call attention to this if I had been involved? I mean, that would be potentially a forensic countermeasure, right? Or a behavioral countermeasure. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, and th- and then in that exact we Jim and I discuss ad nauseum in the episode coming Sunday, that exact thing, the as we get into suspects, we talk about Eva and, and why she might have went and got help. And we work through a bunch of different scenarios there, too. So there's a lot more on that
3: coming. It sounds to me like I'm now officially a profiler and it was just that easy.
1: Right. That's all it is. To be honest Great. with you, criminal behavior analysis and profiling is so much more common sense than it is anything else and jim will say that it's like it's when you, when you just look at just basic practical things it's really what profiling is and then trying to predict you know what would cause someone to do this behavior and if you really think about it usually the answer not that difficult to come up with
3: gotcha
2: Kristen says jim said it was likely someone in their 20s or maybe 30s wonder if he thinks a teenager is out of the question I don't know if he thinks it's out of the question, but I think if he thought a teenager fit the
1: profile, he would have said teenager. I mean, when when he said, and he did say, "There's not a lot of indicators of age," but for him, in those behaviors, he sees someone likely in their twenties, maybe thirties. And I think what he's getting at is there's there's some impulsivity here that points to immaturity, Um, but then there's also a degree of of violence and determination that indicates maturity. And that I just from working because, you know, Jim and I. Jim throws cases at me a lot. He's helped mentor me over the years and taught me how to do this. And a lot of times when you see those two things uh, merge together, they land on 20s and 30s as kind of a, a a basic measure.
2: Our last question comes from Aaron. Do we think that Katie and Youngster could have been involved? I still don't have a clear idea of their reason for being involved in the lies. The profile certainly highlighted a person in Eva's position as a likely culprit. However, she quickly alerted the management, and if she had stabbed someone, she would have had to commit the crime, escape, change or hide clothes, and then report the crime in a short time period. It does seem very likely that someone else was involved, but it's hard to think of how anyone else would be able to flee the scene without being spotted unless they also had a close location to escape to.
1: A lot of what you're asking here is going to be answered in this week's episode. As far as Katie and Youngster, we've, we've discussed quite a bit. Uh, in previous episodes, why I don't think they were involved. There's, you know, I, I added to that today in the fact that I don't think Eva knew they were there. But there's, there's, there's a lot of reasons that for Eva not to get involved with somebody she doesn't know to mix them up in this crime. They have no motive to be involved in it. Why would they lie? They would, they would lie because these are teenagers who, in if the you their written statements, you can see, you know, they've got some, you know, they're doing a little bit of criminal activity themselves. They're kind of a group of people where different criminal activities are occurring. So I don't think it's a stretch to think if somebody just tells you, especially somebody older, Hey, I need you to tell police you heard me, you you heard these screams for them just to be like, cool, I'm going to go with it. They're certainly not team cop, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So they wouldn't have a problem helping someone lie to the cops about something like that. Uh, as far as the blood and changing, we did discuss that there's, you know, I personally don't think the killer would have had much if any blood on them. So I don't think that that, that really plays in. The rest of this will be discussed in this week's episode that's coming out in two days where Jim and I talk about different suspects and different scenarios.
3: And the mystery of that plastic is still a mystery. It's what is it?
1: It's driving me insane. I have racked my brain over and over again. And somebody on the fan page pointed out the other day, what if the plastic is a red herring, which there's a whole other kink into the whole thing about Jennifer. You know, Keith Truesdale says he was rummaging around and he had to move papers off the phone, which is right next to that drawer in order to get to the phone. What if what if the plastic wasn't on the silverware drawer? What if it just what if it was just something sitting on the counter and it got knocked there? What if it yeah, was if, something... it's, if
3: it's a light, thin plastic, it could flutter so easily and just sort of settle wherever it settles.
1: Well, something that occurred to me, Keith Truesdale says he was out working on fire extinguishers. I don't know what he was doing. But what I've seen a lot of people do, we used to do it on the fire department, and every couple of years we'd go around and repaint the fire hydrants.
2: Oh.
3: Interesting.
1: What if the piece of plastic was in Keith Truesdale's hand the whole time? And that's why there's a possible red spray paint on it, because he's out spray painting hydrants. Whoa. Yeah. So so it, it's a complete mystery. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it it's driving me absolutely <gasps> bonkers that I can't figure out why that plastic is there. And that's just something that I thought of is what if it's a
5: complete
1: red herring and it wasn't there, which, again, throws another big kink into Jennifer confessing about how very specifically the piece of plastic was moved to get to the silverware. Um, do want to let you guys know before I let you go this Sunday, Mike and I are off on on vacation next week. We're going to be completely out of pocket. We're doing a backpacking trip out in the mountains, so we'll have no phones. So this week's episode is going to drop Sunday. The follow-up will not be until of the following Friday. So we've got a Friday off, no Friday or Sunday episode next week. So you guys have two weeks to kind of marinate on what you're going to hear on Saturday and answer questions. Really looking forward to when we, getting to when we get back to jumping in and see where the discussion goes. Uh, any other announcements? Oh, uh, really cool True Crime binge this week that I think is definitely worth a listen. I had Amanda Knox on, as well as her husband, Chris Robinson, and um, they're on to talk about their podcast, Labyrinth, and, uh, and we do talk about another case, but We spent a majority of the interview talking about kind of, I'm almost picking Amanda's brain about this case and the process of being young and being interrogated by police and the gaslighting that goes on with them. We have a good long discussion about that. So if you don't this week and you're looking for something to listen to next week, check out uh, the episode with Amanda Knox on True Crime Binge. And next week we have Josh Hallmark on talking about Israel Keys. And Janet, thank you so much for joining us. This is a great discussion.
3: Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure and a joy. By the way, I will say I love True Crime Binge. Uh, I found so many true crime podcasts that I did not know about or that I had not gotten around to. And it sprung me into listening to them. So what you're doing makes sense, is working, and is achieving what you hope, which is that people find new podcasts.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And again, thank you for joining us. And for all of you listeners, we will see you in two weeks for our next Friday follow up. Guys, take care. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com truthandjustice. But it wasn't buttoned all the way up to the top. It's kind of like the shirt I'm wearing right now. Which Janet can see the, on the Zoom. And which, by the way, I thought, well, t-
3: it's too unbuttoned. But uh, listen, I wasn't going to say Too much chest meat?
1: Me. <laughs> 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 I'm going to put a medallion on that <laughs> son of a bitch.
3: Oh, no, that would cover too much. Don't put a medallion on there. <laughs> Don't hide that gold. Um, gold.